Hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Uh, this is your host, Naziati Muhammad Yaqob. And for today's topic, it is an interesting piece because I'm trying to find a con- the content for um, a book that is more of a memoir. Um, describing my mental health journey beyond therapy. And it is based on what I would talk about if I talk about teaching. Yes, I was referring to um, Haruki Murakami's book, what I talk about when I talk about running. And I thought that was a good effective way of conveying your message and talking about yourself in those terms. So this particular podcast, I'd like to talk about everything is personal. Now, when you talk about everything is personal, in creative expressions, be it in writing, and drawing, and scheming, and doing a project, a creative project, whatever it may be. Writing songs, for example, creating music, everything is personal, because if it's not personal, you won't feel it. I've discussed about feeling is important rather than thoughts. And this comes from psychology and the the sort of understanding about um, mental health. Yeah. So going back into my design thesis year in the year 1990 was the final year of my part two architecture course in London. It was called the North London Polytechnic at that time. And located in Holloway Road. My supervisor was great. She helped me along the way, pushed me along the way. But I, I reckon that um, she thought I was quite independent in, in forming my thoughts and my thesis. And... It's just that she she just pushes me along. I just have to see her every week, and that was important, and I did. Even if I was late or I didn't have much, and it was more of a negative rather than positive report, um, she'll be very positive about me. And eventually I, I got the Governor's Travel Award, and I, I got an A with four other people in that studio. And I was very proud of my design thesis. So that, that's an important start to my teaching career. Actually, that point in time when I gained so much confidence in what I do and I wanted to do architecture practice uh, immediately. But I wasn't ready in certain ways. It is a personal journey in a way that I like to to say is um, when I started teaching, 
1991, when I returned to Malaysia, uh, I was confident about teaching, but I, I failed in my first year as well. There were about five students who failed it under my tutelage or under my supervision, and that wasn't very good in the eyes of the department. They, they felt that... Um, I couldn't cope with that level, which was the third year, uh, graduating year. So they, they asked me to do the, um, second year, the following semester, but again, confidence of that. I think all in all, I wasn't really that confident in, in working. I mean, working life is something, but in my personal, uh, journeys of learning, I, I knew that, um, I knew something about a student needing to be confident. And that prevailed right until now. The confidence of a student is something that the human spirit, the motivation and desire to actually learn and to actually get something out of it. I think that was something's consistent and something that is personal to me because the system the system uh, of producing our um, education system for the training of the architect is just a system that is <clears throat> doesn't place emphasis on the building of the confidence of the architect. I mean, it's more like quantitative. Uh, those are the choices and you have to motivate yourself or your lecturer assist in motivating you so it was left to the lecturer to motivate and it's an extra thing it's not the main thing but to me it is the main thing you have invested so much money and so much energy and so much manpower or human power to create all these programs for the younger generation for people to become the professionals that they have to be but you don't encourage confidence building. You don't encourage, you don't really, um, you know, um, uh, shall I say, focus on the psychology aspect of designing the curriculum. So it's a person, yeah, everything's personal. The point is, when in pract in the practice of professionalism, if you know of the motivation, it's a personal motivation. People tend to take a step back and think that that's not right. That there is a difference. There is a clash or a conflict between professionalism and personal motivation. But we applaud heroes. We applaud people who go the extra mile in um, challenging themselves and getting awards. Isn't that for personal um, reasons? Isn't that uh, per taking it personal? So this is the conundrum, or that's another word probably better to describe this, of um of uh motivation i mean people 
people look up to, people who are highly motivated. And, and how do they get their motivation? It's not from such a, a notion that is for the sake of the nation or for the sake of um, the community. True, you can be a team player. You can motivate yourself to collaborate very well. And this is what is thought in, to the students to be a team player. So, to be personally motivated is a good thing, isn't it? Why this is a important ingredient for discussion about architecture education is because in trying to find this topic further, I liked the design thesis experience and it was like a culmination of five years. Although it took me longer because I did a diploma, um, five years of study or five to ten years of study, including practical training and finding oneself, getting a footing about one's, not style, but one's approach to designing in architecture because architecture straddling between arts and humanities and sciences. So I love science, really. I wanted to do to be a scientist, but I didn't have the grades uh, at the O-levels level. And I entered architecture because I could draw. So that's something that I know, a confidence that I had, and that confidence of the ability to draw helped me to negotiate those years in architecture school, obviously, and everything is personal. Everybody goes into a training course with some motivation, but how one um, one um, conduct or practice as a student, practice in learning, practice in acquiring knowledge, how one also decides later to do with one's life in terms of the working life, what is the main motivation? Yeah, you're right. So if one is teaching or one is a lecturer, maybe the motivation is less to do with um, getting students motivated. Maybe the motivation is more to other personal motivation, building a family or... Um, getting oneself to be richer or, you know, promotion. So on the other hand, there are people who actually think it's important that students get motivated and get confidence and the right knowledge and skills just like themselves. So I feel that I'm that person. Because one, um, the, of course, the promotion... It's one thing. I think once you get promoted based on one's ability and it helps to get um, a pay rise to ease the problems of wanting to live, you know, comfortably and one's get, one gets uh, to travel because there are grants. There's a lot of 
incentives in being a lecturer. And I've had the share of of um, getting those incentives in research programs and grants and and also through um, being awarded or being asked to participate in many of those programs, I, I, I find those are enriching to meet people, to get new ideas, one of which was nothing to do with architecture directly, um, the social mobilization training course in Bangkok in the year 2000. That really helped in actually expanding my knowledge. And being a, a lecturer in a government service, um, there are all these, you call it perks and so on, and incentives to stay in government service and to to use that knowledge to to your benefit. And but I always had this idea about nation building. Now people may think that that's gross or uh, self-conscious nation building, but I actually believed in it. I didn't say that I was doing nation building, but I was consciously thinking that I look in the students' eyes and I see them blank or I see them confused. Sometimes in my life, I see them not learning anything, that they just copy-paste or that they just, they're not really confident. And some of them gave that feedback. I remember the second batch in University of Malaya, and I realized they were doing magazine architecture. They were just following the instructions of the tutor, but they were not really confident. And they told me that they were not confident going into um, one thing. Their new um, University of Malaya had uh, the, uh, the the course just started, and and they don't think that employers out there is confident of employing. Um, or giving jobs to, you know, Simlaya graduates. But th- those were the things that, that, that I heard, uh, directly from them that again, they don't know, f- they don't feel confident. So I took it upon myself that when I had the chance to be a design thesis, um, in particular design thesis, because remember when I said, I had a good experience doing design thesis in North London. So so I took it upon myself that uh, I must make it better. I mean, in terms of what are the ingredients, what the formula that I could have. And, and one of the person that is very inspiring is Kevin Mark Lowe. I didn't work with him immediately, right off the bat. <coughs> he came into... University of Malaya when I was in doing my PhD, but when I returned in the year 2008, he was one of the part-time lecturers, including two other part-time lecturers whom um, I got acquainted with. And I was the coordinator and we did the design thesis studio. And we let the students... um, come up with their own topics. 
um, you know, people, there is this perception that design thesis is for students to come up with their own topics, their own site, but it's also to do with the whole experience of um, the lecture, the relationship between the tutors and the students and the whole experience of learning design thesis. That went about for some time. And because I have this collaboration with Kevin Martlow, eventually that was in, that started in 2008 and 9, then 9 and 10, then 10 and 11. We did three years and then I went to the second year in 2012. And I, Kevin Martlow mentioned that we should go to, I mean, I, I, I form a friendship with him and I had the chance to be a second year lecturer and he said, okay. And he would be um, uh, interested in the younger years because we have to, 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 I mean, the best influences in the younger years, which I agree. We tried to, to take the curriculum and make it better in the second year. There was even a housing design where the department didn't like it and they thought that's too advanced for the second year. But I was talking about it's more to do with the, what do you call it, in-between spaces, in-between the modules or the um, accommodation. We were trying for 20 units, but eventually there was eight. So there is some design that has to do with in-between spaces and that skill, the students got that skill of designing very early on. And, and uh, of course, it's a big group and not necessarily everyone fancy um, doing that project and how we saw that project. And it was this project of the fire station or some type building that um you need to know the workings of it. Like the health center is one thing. The All the tiny details of wet and dry area for the health center and for the fire station, that efficiency from the accommodation to go to the, f- to the fire truck and, you know, that the design for the efficiency and the training. Not honestly, all the students enjoyed it. They prefer to have fanciful projects that, you know, they, they're not interested in learning for some students, but those who are interested in learning, we went to several case studies, visits, fire stations. We went to gym and health centers, and there were a number of students learning from that. I, I realized that this is some sort of a discipline that we want to install, or we want to have the second-year students uh, confident in designing for function. And lo and behold, some of the students actually studied design thesis with me later on when I took again design thesis because of the master's course, uh, 2015-16, we did it with GDP. For some reason, uh, Kevin was just external for that. Then Kevin just, uh, suggested to me that why don't we go for context specificity since I'm doing the design thesis here. So the following year in 1617, uh, we did Kampong Baru and 
Bukit Ceylon and Bukit Bintang. So there was two groups and they went and studied the um, urban environment. And it was a good start, but I got sick. Oh, I, I had to go. I was hospitalized half, half of the year. And when I returned, I I maintained, um, I got a job doing design thesis again for a couple of uh, sessions and and one of them in 2019-20, half the year, it was um, done online because of the COVID pandemic. But actually, we got the formula when we did Kampong Krinchi in 2018-19 and 20, uh, PJ Old Town in 2019-20. We got the formula for context specificity. We got the formula for how to coach the students so that they're confident and that they're self-sufficient. We got the formula finally and how to uh, ensure that the student go through the detailed design process because some students really they don't they don't do detailed design. I mean, it, during my time uh, in the um, late eighties. We were doing things manually and detailed designs part of designing and and expected. But later on, somehow the curriculum don't place emphasis on detailed design. And I reckon it's partly to do with there's a lot of work to do with that stage and to coach students to do that detailed design. There's a lot of work. But I was always interested in detailed design, even in the architecture. Practice. I love contract implementation and site supervision stage. I love doing um, schematic and at the same time resolving the uh, um, the plans in more details. Not only the plans, the whole building. And in fact, after uh, an unfortunate situation where. The start of the 2021 studio, um, I was asked to do the second year. I continued with detailed design emphasis with the second year, but the programs were, uh, couldn't we, I wasn't able to control what the program should be. And there's no more Kevin Maklow to, because he, he does, the practice a lot of detailed design and that's what his expertise is. Um, and for some reason, the ability to do detailed design, we're not just talking about planning layout in general or design strategy or site planning. We're talking about the massaging of the plan over and over, you know, from six to 12 times yeah, six to 12 times you change the design because of the many design problems that you need to deal with. We do that with the students. And I, I continue doing that with the second year. I don't know whether they appreciate that, but I think that would be an essential skill to make, to give them confidence. For the second year, um, I tried to do in the last one and a half years as much as I could to 
to coach the students in this skill. And I hope in the future they will appreciate detailed design um, as a fundamental tool to gain confidence to be an architect. It's true that less and less students become architects. So those who decided to become an architect could, uh, would benefit from this exercise and practice on detailed design. So in conclusion, everything is personal. Everything that we do is personal. My personal agenda is to assist, help the student to be mentality monsters <laughs> uh, or to be strong mentally, uh, to be confident in their skills. And architecture skills, detailed design is an essential, fundamental um, skill that would um, give rise and confidence for them to able to cope with being employed in the architectural profession. So we did the job. We did the job as facilitators or as people who are um, teaching the students. We gave them the environment to excel in that respect. We give them the teaching. We give them the facilitate the learning for them to build that confidence in detailed design and design development concurrently. To me, it's not like an option. It is mandatory. It's something that is wrong. Personally, I feel it's wrong if I would let them off with schematic design and yay. There you go. No. What do you do? What was your moral compass? What is your teaching ethics if you just let them go off into the sunset uh, of being an architect without um, without doing detailed design work? Yeah, I would think the formula is fine to 12 times of design development with detailed design for a project. I mean, if it's the project's five weeks or nine weeks, a few times stabbing at the detailed design. Students like to cop out because that's the nature, I mean, um, of changing schemes, you know, rather than doing detailed design of one scheme, right? When they get a scheme or just... They're, they're happy to um, just do it, complete it as it is once or twice. I mean, that's the nature of it. But we want them to at least do it five times before they get the right scheme done. Half and half, some students don't really like it and some students like it. That's why they change schemes totally. Want to avoid doing detailed design because you have how many weeks and change, 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 and then not much of a detailed design, and then you're happy, and that's your problem because you don't really do the learning. But as a lecturer, we know that that's the bread, but bread and butter of 
what an architect should have in his skill box or her skill box. Knowledge is something else and the realization and understanding in the environment that could induce the student to build confidence as well. So there's also the personal side, but we did, we did what we can. So, so all in all, that's my take on everything is personal in architecture education because we take it personally, we improve others the feel is there. We want the feel, the emotional part of things. We have the care. We need to uh, be in control and want the nuances, the highs and lows of what we do. And it's relevant to, to our learning and understanding and how we build confidence moving forward and how we could set the ground or the set the foundation for further exploration or further investigation. And I think that's the attitude of someone who's going into the profession, may it be a designer, interior designer, or contractor, design and build, or architectural designer, or a company director one day with that sort of skills, we can be encouraged that we have this foundation in which we have to deal with the construction industry or the property industry and move forward. You know, we can be a researcher based on that skill. We can be a um, um, design architect, a project manager and construction manager and company director. So these are essential skills and it is a personal decision to make sure that these skills are gained or learned by students of architecture. So everything is personal. Thank you very much for listening. Hope that this helps with a perspective on why we do the things that we do in teaching. Thank you. See you again.